learn from Jesus, we must follow him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. To find our purpose, we must follow him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. At Mansfield Bible Church, we believe by following Jesus, we learn to live a life of purpose. What does a follower of Jesus believe? What does a follower of Jesus do? At NBC, we use three key words to describe what a follower of Jesus believes and how those beliefs affect the way we live. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It is impossible to follow Jesus without abiding in him. A follower of Jesus understands that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing. So a Jesus follower believes they must remain in Jesus. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God designed the church as one body with many members. A Jesus follower is never on a solo mission, but rather is someone who belongs to the people of God called the church, growing in their faith and in community with other Jesus followers. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. A Jesus follower cannot hide their faith but are compelled to share it with others. Jesus uses his followers to impact the world around them as they live out the gospel in their daily lives. Good morning, church. Welcome to the 10 a.m. service. <laughs> At least that's how I feel. I'm kind of running behind this morning. I think I... Uh, trying to catch up with the time change and all that. I appreciate your loyalty and that you all are here this morning. I know uh, getting up an hour earlier, I always kind of consider this day the day that time makes up for the time it gave me last fall. You know, that day when I got to sleep in an extra hour and it was just so wonderful. And today it's, it's, the, it's payback, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. So thanks for being here. Glad you're here. This morning, uh, we're going to be again continuing our series on following Jesus. And you just watched the video again. You're going to see it a few more times over the next couple of weeks as we work through this series. Um, we're discussing what does it look like to follow Jesus. 
Um, we, we describe that as one moving from a, a place or a position of control, in other words, the control of my life, to a place of dependence, that I depend on Jesus and I trust in Jesus for my life, for my walk, and as I follow after him. So last week we looked at abide. And what does his word tells us? His word tells us that if we abide in him, in fact, there's some really neat things the scripture says about abiding. And I know I dealt with it in prayer last fall, but I mean, it says that if we abide in him and his word abides in us, do you know what it says next? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think we, many times, we don't spend time abiding or remaining in or staying in Christ, keeping that union in Christ, stepping in union with him, this union that he's given us through his work on the cross. Um, many times we don't stay there, so we don't understand the power of abiding in Jesus, and we don't understand the impact his words have in our life. We don't abide in them. We don't let them abide in us, and as a result of it, when we have emergencies come, we have things come, we pray, and God doesn't answer, and we're like, why? Well, he has a condition there. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and ask whatever you wish. And it's, it's incredible. So there's many things it says. I also said, we looked at it last week, about abiding in Jesus, that if we abide in him, that, w- that we will actually grow in him. We're connected to him. And that it said, apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, has that sunk in? That apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That, that in our Western culture, in our uh, individualism, if you will, of being able to do it ourselves, that really is a struggle. To come to a place where it's, we cannot do nothing. It didn't qualify. It didn't say you can't just grow spiritually. It says you can do nothing apart from him. And so when we start looking about following Jesus, we realize that we need to abide in him. Today we're going to talk about belong. Now, the idea of belonging to the body of Christ. In fact, when you looked at it last time, last week when we looked at abide, you see the arrows going up and down. It's talking about our relationship between God and us individually. That you have a relationship with God. And that's what is so key about abide. And today, we're going to be looking at a belong. It's, it goes this way. I'm talking about the relationship we have as the body of Christ. I quit using the word connect. I'm going to tell you why. Because so many times we use the word connect um, I, uh, loosely. Let me just put it that way. I had some other words, but I'll, I'll just stick with loosely. Because like we do, we go, well, I didn't connect there. Well, I didn't connect with that person. I, didn't, why? I mean, we can go into personality differences and all that and do a little study and see why some personalities we click with and why some personalities we don't and all that kind of thing. Well, that's not how the church is made up. Church isn't made up in that idea. The idea of the church is that we belong to the body of Christ. When you receive Christ into your life, if this morning you're here this morning and you've trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation, guess what? You belong to the body of Christ. As much as you were saved by Jesus, you were saved into the body of Christ 100%. Do you know that? I, sometimes I wonder. I wonder if the church knows and this morning, I'm going to say some things that may cause friction. It's kind of hard, to be honest with you. I may say some things that are causing friction, maybe some things that will be kind of difficult. And my goal isn't guilt. My goal isn't to try to beat down. That's, that isn't. That's between you and God. If you walk out of here and you say, Greg, you're, you're just batty and off the wall, then that's fine. You can say all those things. Some people do, you know, but it's all right. You may say that and walk out of, the, walk out of here. That's fine. 
But the reality is what I want this morning to happen is I want to challenge your thinking about the idea of belonging to the church, that you belong to the church. You know, when Jesus talked to people, Jesus didn't water it down. Did you know that? When he called people to follow him, he didn't, he didn't melt it down. He didn't water it down. He told us to think about the cost of following him. We looked at some of those in the past, a couple weeks ago, of following him. He, he went so far to say, if you love father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter, spouse, more than him, you're not fit for the kingdom. That's hard. I have children. That's hard. But the reality is Jesus has to be preeminent in our lives. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to understand what Jesus thinks of the body and you as a member of that body of believers, that you belong to the body. So you know what? We need to pray. I need to pray. And you guys can join me if you want, or you can pray with me. But I need to pray. I need to pray that God will speak to us. Let's pray. Father God, guard our hearts from from division, guard our hearts from bitterness. Guard our hearts, Father, from putting up walls. Speak to us, Father, we need you this morning. I, I need you, Father. I absolutely need you. Father, I believe with all my heart some of the things that are gonna be said today that you've put them there. And to be honest with you, Father, some of them I really don't wanna say. Give me boldness. Let me look to you. Let me trust you. Father, speak to us, your people, the church, that we understand how we belong in the church. Father, I know time changed last night. I know it's first week of of spring break and there's all kinds of things, but God, speak to us. God, let us not be okay with complacency. Let us not be okay just to, to speak of good things, but oh God, teach us to walk in the power of your spirit and the grace that you've given us and the, and the mercy and the compassion you've given us. Father, let us be a people that walk after Christ, that follow after him, and God, teach us that. Speak to us. Go past all my sins. Go past, Father, all my inabilities, my shortcomings, my iniquities. Father, keep, just, just go past them and speak to us this morning, your people. We need to hear from you, Father. Please, please, God, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at Romans, kind of using that. <clears throat> Chapter 12 is kind of a launch pad this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse 3 of Romans chapter 12. Verse 3, it says, Further by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I want to stop here for a second. Paul's writing to the believers there at Rome in the Roman church. And he's telling them not to think more highly than themselves. He's telling them to think with sober judgment. And I think this is so important this morning. 
that as we come together and as we talk about these things, and we talk about the members of the body of Christ, that we have a sober mind, that, some, that we don't think too highly of ourselves. God did not create us to be on a solo mission. Did you know that? I cannot walk with Jesus without you. I need every one of you. And I know this morning it seems like, okay, Greg, you're the main one today. You're, you're preaching and all. It's all, you know, it's all on you. No, it's, it's not just me, but every one of you. I need every single one of you this morning. I need your prayers. I need your encouragement. I need you to think about your relationship with Christ because I know that when we talk and we think through our relationship with Jesus, that it impacts everything we do. It impacts what kind of parents we are. It impacts what kind of husband or wife we are. It impacts what kind of employee we are. But more importantly, it impacts what kind of follower of Jesus we are when we think about who we are in Christ. We're not to think more highly of ourselves. And we have a tendency when we're hurt, and gosh, let's be honest, is the church perfect? It's not, is it? Is there, is there problems in the church? Absolutely. I've been a member in this church for over 20 years. I have been hurt and I have hurt. Let me say that again. I have been hurt and I have hurt. Uh, a few years ago, let me make sure. Yeah, good, she's not here this morning. Because <laughs> she would know who she is. A few years ago, I was standing out here in the lobby, probably about eight years ago, and I said something to this, to this dear uh, sister in Christ. And when I said it, I heard her, and I knew I did. And it was right before the service, and she came into the service, and God began to convict me. And uh, when she came out, I grabbed her, not literally, but I got a hold of her. I just thought about that. And I said to her, I just said, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to come away across the way that it did. That wasn't my intent. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She taught me so much that day. She said, Greg, I see you as a brother in Christ, an older brother in Christ. And she says, you know, sometimes we do. We just say things that we shouldn't say or we come across the way we don't, we're not supposed to or whatever. But she says, it's okay. I love you. And you're my brother in Christ. And that person is a very, very, very dear friend and sister in Christ to me. God used her that day to teach me about his church. You see, I've been here before and many of you, many of you came in today and you might have hurts. There may be division. You might be even bitter over things that have happened in the past in the church. You might, even, you might even be holding anger towards others in the church. And what we, have, what we have a tendency to do, dear people of God, is we do just like the world. When you're bitter or angry with someone at work, what do you do? They go down that hallway and you go down this hallway, right? We don't lean towards, we lean away from, don't we? And we begin to create division. We begin to create bitterness and we begin to create anger. And I believe that God has created us for something better. I do not know any other institution, organization, whatever term you wanna use, that is better than the church because the church is God's design. God brought us together. He put us together. I, I don't get to choose my family in the church. God does. But I do get to choose how I respond 
to the church. I do get to choose if I love it. I do get to choose if I forgive it. I do get to choose if I heal the hurts. And dear people, God, we need to learn how to do that. We need to quit leaning away from, and we need to lean into. And I know some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, gosh, Greg, it is really, really, really difficult to do. You're right, it is. In fact, sociologists are telling us that never before have we been more connected in human history than we are right now. Never before. And yet they're also saying we have never been more alone and isolated than we are right now. Because the belonging that we seek through social media and through connection on the internet, the belonging that we seek can only be found in Jesus. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And yet, how many times we continue seeking for connection in other places than in Jesus? And in the church, when we come together and the idea of Jesus being the answer, that we often limit our spiritual growth because of the hurts and the divisions and the separations that we have within the body. And it's really hard for us to give up some of those. There have been times, I share this, I share this um, carefully. I can remember a time where I came to this church for almost a year and where I would have swore everybody in the church didn't like me. And some of you are laughing because you've known me long enough. And you're like, well, Greg, I didn't like you then, right? <laughs> and I didn't. I remember I was, I was looking for every way to get out. And every time I prayed about it, God said, you stay, you stay. And I was like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? And I watched God heal some of those hurts. I watched God build back some of those, some of those relationships even stronger than what they were before. If I had leaned away, if I had gone away, if I had ran away from them, you know what would still be there? There would still be the hurt, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, and the separation. And God did not intend the body that way. And so how do you overcome? How do you, how do you build through those? And I believe one of, the, one of the things that Jesus told us in, in John chapter 14 and verses 15 through 17, he says, if you love me, you will keep, your, keep my commandments. We all love those, those kind of phrases, right? I mean, don't you all have those plastered on your, in your bathroom mirror? If you love me, you keep my commandments. You put them on your, next to your, your, don't you? No, am I the only one? We don't, we don't, no, I really don't do that, by the way. I'm just, just so I don't feel like, we struggle with that, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. But look what he says. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. It's capitalized, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. He will give you a, another helper to be with you. Oh, don't you love that word? Forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, why? For he dwells with you, and listen to this, and will be in you. You see, the bond that we have within the body of Christ is only possible by the union that we have with Jesus and by the spirit of God that he left with us, that dwells within us. How can the, how can the hurts, how can the bitterness, how can the division, how can, they, how can they melt away, how can they be broken away? Only by the spirit of God that dwells within us. And you know what? I'm going to hurt again. I wish I didn't. 
I, also, I wish I was just this like really quiet person that was really meek and didn't say what they thought and just kind of loved on everybody. You know, everywhere you went, you just smile and everybody just loves you. You know what? That person doesn't exist, by the way. I've come to realize that. And sometimes we have to be bold with one another. Sometimes we have to instruct one another. And sometimes we need mercy. Sometimes we, we have to be taught. Sometimes we just need to be loved on. And dear people of God, it doesn't happen where everybody goes, oh, you know, Greg's a pastor. He's the one that's supposed to do all that. I can't, by the way. If you've ever had, I don't, mercy comes up short in my wheelhouse. I'm, I've had to just admit that. I'm different. And that's what's the beauty of the body is the diversity. And we're going to talk about that as we go along. This is why the Christian life is not a solo mission. The church is God's design. It is his will that we belong to the church. Understand, it is his church. He designed it. It's what he wants for us. It's how he made it. I belong to the body of Christ. No exceptions. Look what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse five. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. We are one body no exceptions. You belong to the body of Christ. No exception. No exception. You don't walk out of this store today and say the church isn't for me. It's impossible if you're a child of God. When you got saved and you received Christ into your life, you were placed into the body of Christ. It isn't, it isn't two separate events. It's all in one. You belong to the body of Christ. When we talk about the body of Christ, it meant a lot to Jesus. Look at some things that it says about Jesus with the body. Jesus, Jesus sacrificed for the church. His blood, his, he died for the church. You think the church is important to Jesus? Do you? Absolutely. He gave his life for it. He stepped out of out of divinity, if you will, for a second, out of his life, and he took on the lifeness of sinful flesh. He walked as fully God and fully man among a creation that he created. And he allowed his own creation to handle him in such a way that it put him on a cross. And he experienced death. And thank God he rose again too. He sacrificed. You know how precious the church is? Jesus made it his bride. I remember my wedding day. To this day, I remember that day. There was, there's no one more precious to me than my wife. Oh, it was a beautiful day. And Jesus, what did he do with the church? He made the church his bride. Do you think the church is precious to Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus made it his bride. So how can we say, I want Jesus, but I don't want the church? I mean, what, what, I, mean I can see Jesus now. What? You don't want my bride? Someone came to me and said, Greg, I want you, but not Lydia. Or I want Lydia, but not you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't do that. And Jesus, not only that, he made the church the, his body. And it's Jesus is the head of the church. The head, he's the head and we're the body. And you can't, you can't have the head without the body and you can't have the body without the head. You got to have both. Because the church is precious to Jesus. If Jesus loves the church that much, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we love the church? You want to know how you should react to the church of God? Look at how Jesus looks at it. 
How did Jesus view it? Do we view the church as Christ viewed it? Do we love it? Care for it? Is our view of the church vastly different from that of Jesus? Do we treat it casually? Did you just kind of stumble in this morning? Did you come in expecting to hear from God? Did you come in expecting to worship? Yeah, right now I'm the guy preaching, right? So I'm the most obvious out of the group, but I look forward to this time when we come together and we expect God to speak to us. We expect God to be here and to meet and his spirit to move in our hearts. God forbid that we sit any longer and just think this is a routine. That there's a God in heaven who loves us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die for us and Jesus calls us his bride and he's the head. He determines what we look like and you know what? As a result of that, I'm gonna love and care for it. But why do we treat it so casually? This idea of, of, of finding a church that meets all of our needs, I'm just, it's foreign to me. There isn't a church that meets all of our needs. There isn't one. Jesus made the church his bride, and I think we often date the church. Think about it. We kind of go to the church, and we kind of look and see, does it meet my needs? Is it something that, that's going to fit with what I want? You know what? There's a problem with that statement. It's not theologically correct. It's not a biblical idea. We have become to make the church more about us than about Jesus. We have made it where it's, where it's what we think it should be and not what does Jesus think about it. It's become so easy for us to criticize and to complain about the church. We really gotta be careful, people. If this is the bride of Christ and, and this is precious to him and we're complaining about it and saying we're following Jesus at the same time, isn't there something wrong with that picture? If something that Jesus loves so much, I mean, how often do we just give God our leftovers? Think about it. We give him our leftover change. We give them our leftover time. I mean, we get so busy throughout the week with all the things. And you know what? There's always going to be something. I was asked this week about, about something. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember my reply was, yeah, I would love to stay home today and do projects at the house. But I come here. Why? Because I believe in the church. I believe in the church that Christ died for. I believe in the people of God. And so many times we kind of just give God our leftovers, don't we? We get so busy in our activities and so busy in the things we're doing that we cut out church instead of cutting out those other activities. Why? Because they're more important. We give them our leftover emotions, affection. We come to the church looking for our, our own needs to be met instead of how God can use us to meet needs of others. How much would the church change if we realize that? Jesus gave everything for the church. There's nothing else that Jesus can do to demonstrate or display his love for the church. So how do we? Do we understand the privilege of belonging 
to the body of Christ. Do you understand the privilege it is to say that we are the people of God? What a privilege. I know I've gone to meddling already this morning and some of you are already, already uncomfortable. I can feel it. I'm not gonna get a lot of amens out of this kind of a message. I know that. But if I can challenge you to think, to evaluate, to look at your relationship with God. I'm not trying to guilt you. If I was trying to guilt you, I'd tell you there's a list and every one of you need to come up and sign up for something. I'm not trying to guilt you. I, as a brother in Christ, am trying to provoke you, to provoke you to think about your relationship. Of all the things that we could belong to, a sports team, or some club or class, or some organization, some school, a business, a political party, some society, all the things we can belong to. But that day, that day when that trumpet sounds, that day when Jesus comes, I promise you the only thing we're gonna be thinking about is our relationship with Jesus and what did we do with the opportunities he gave us. I guarantee you, you're not gonna be thinking about who the president is. You're not gonna be thinking about, did your team win? You're not gonna be thinking about how your stocks are doing. You're only gonna be thinking about your relationship with Jesus and what you've done with the opportunities he's given you. It's a truth. It's an eternal truth that I just said. And we need to learn to let the truth of that statement impact our present here and now. Because our appreciation of that truth will be seen in the application of that truth in our lives. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I can, you know, I remember as a kid, an old Southern Baptist pastor I had, he used to always say, let me see your checkbooks, I'll tell you how much you love God. You know, you used to remember, have y'all heard that? Some of y'all that back in the days, he used to say that. Well, you know what? Let me see how you live and I'll tell you what you think of Jesus. How do you relate to the body of Christ? The greatest institution that we have is the church. It's Jesus's idea. It's God's design. It's the greatest institution that we have. Amen? Do you believe that? Boy, I'm starting to do all kinds of things here. I have now, I have, I have this morning coming in, I was, I was thinking about all these things and I was thinking, dear God, because I know my personality, I was thinking, dear God, let me not, not condemn, let me not pound, let me not uh, put down, let me not put on guilt on, on your people for we've been saved by grace. But at the same time, I was saying, dear God, may your spirit move through your people. May you wake us up. May we not grow so complacent in our activities that we put you and give you our second best. In many cases, even our third or fourth or fifth. 
Of what did he say here in verse 5? He says, so we, through though many, are one body. What does it say? One body in Christ. In Christ. When you were saved, you were saved in the body. It's not two separate things. You can't say, I'll take Jesus, I'm not going to take the church. You can't say that. You can't. You see, when we come to Christ and we receive Christ into our lives, it immerses us into the body of Christ. It puts us into the body. We're to be a part of the body. We're to be engulfed in the activities of the body of Christ. We're one body, many parts. There's great diversity, but we're one body. Have you not even thought about the body? I was thinking about this. I was thinking this this morning, you know, like, like the body and how it works. I mean, if I, was, if I was talented, I might even, you know, do a little jig up here, but I can't, I'm not, I don't have that kind of, kind of talent. But look at my hand. I mean, I got a finger, 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 and a thumb, and this hand, and look how it all works together. There's different parts, and there's, there's a foot, and there's an ear, there's eyes, there's, there's, there's arms, there's a heart, there's lungs. There's many parts to the body that makes this body move. I can throw a football, that's something I can do. I, I, could, I could shoot a basketball, I could, I could swing a bat, all these things that we can do. And the illustration that God gives us when he wants us to understand how the body works, or how, how his body works, the church, he gives us the illustration of the body. I think that's so unique because he's wanting us to understand that while there's individual design that God has made us each individuals, amen, right? Amen, I like who I am. That we're, we're individuals, but yet in the part of the grand picture of the body that he's put together. God designed us. He puts us into the body, and he made us part of the, of the bigger whole. In fact, if you look at it, there's several implications of being, be, belonging to one body. If I belong to Jesus, I also belong to his body. That's just a done deal. If God is my father, guess what? Then his people are my family, and you don't get to choose them. God does. You don't have a choice about who's in the family of God. God chooses. That's God's work. That's not our work. But I have a responsibility in how I respond to the family of God. Look at the next, next thing. If I, I can't truly follow Jesus and avoid his people, we've got to start understanding that. We cannot follow Jesus and ignore his people. We can't lean away from them. This morning, some of you in this room probably have hurts with others that are in this room. God forbid. They need to end. Because it's gonna hold you back in your spiritual growth. You may not realize it. You may not know it. You may not even see the full implications of it. But it's going, it is holding you back. Because it isn't until we move from control in our lives to dependence on God. Control is I hang on to my bitterness. I hang on to my hurts. I hang on to my division. For whatever reason, I hang on to those things. Dependence is trusting God when he talks about us to love one another, to care for one another, to honor one another, to pray for one another. I can only do that as I depend on the Holy Spirit. In fact, he goes on, he says, I belong to the body and I have a responsibility to others in the body. Each one of us has a part within the body. And look at this, I love this. Church is not a meeting I attend, but a body I belong to. Did you walk in the doors just to attend church today? That was pretty casual. Or did you walk into the church because you belong to a body of believers? We are individually the individuals designed by God for community. 
And this bond is only possible because of, the, because of what Jesus has done. He's bonded us and he's given us a bonded, bonding within the body of Christ and we have that bond. We are brothers, we are sisters, we are take joy in the family of God that we share together. In fact, you know what? Just take a moment. Look to the persons around you and just say, I thank God for you. Go ahead, do it. Break down your walls. Some of you are uncomfortable with that. I know that. It's all right. Take a moment. Say, I thank God for you. See, I cannot choose Jesus and reject you. I cannot. I love Jesus and I love his church. I mean, when we tell Jesus we, we don't love his church, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's like, it's like if I were, you know, a wife, my wife were to say to me, Greg, I love you, but I just don't like your body. I'm sorry, you know. You, <laughs> right? You can't do that. I'm all one. And men, don't ever say that to your wives, okay? Never. Never tell your wives that. Right? We can't do that. We can't tell Jesus on one hand, we want him, but on the other hand, we don't want his body, his church. I mean, dear people of God, here's the ring, and that's God just, he's about to light me up here. It's okay, I'm sorry. Listen to me for a second, dear people of God. When did we ever start thinking? When did we ever start thinking that in the busyness of our lives, the thing that we cut out is the thing that Jesus loves so much? When did we ever start thinking that God only deserves what little time we have left over in a week? Or what little change we have? Or what, whatever, whatever it is, our affections, our emotions. You know, when did we ever start thinking that it was okay that we get, we get one activity after another activity after another activity and we go, you know what, I'm just gonna take a break from church. God forbid, when did we ever start thinking that? That that was okay. That is not a biblical idea that we would somehow take control of our lives, our time, our resources that God has given us and that we would decide how it's to operate without ever listening to him, listening to what Jesus says about the church, the church that he died for, the church he calls his bride because it's so precious, the church that he's the head over and we're the body. And somehow we decide, hey, you know what, God, I'm pretty busy. I know you, you know I love you and I care about you. But you know what, I'm just gonna take a break for a while. I'm gonna set church over here for a while. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut out some activities over there because God forbid I cut out these other activities. When did we start thinking that way, church? When? No wonder our seats aren't full. When's the last time we shared the gospel? When's the last time we've been involved in something that impacts others for Jesus instead of sitting somewhere going, well, they didn't love on me and I'm hurt and I'm upset now. I'm just gonna sit over here. God forbid. I'm not trying to create guilt, but I want, to, I want God to move in our hearts. I don't want to just keep walking through some doors and, hey, great to see you, great to see you. Love Jesus, love Jesus. Let's go home and do as we will. That's why church is more than this hour. If this is all there is to your walk with God, is this time today, God forbid you're missing out. You're missing out. 
Dear people of God, I am calling you. I am challenging you to look at your lives and your relationship with God. I've long left my notes, but I want to look at this one verse. It says up here, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. Look at that word stir up. I like that word. That fits my personality. The way God has made me and put me within the body. You know what that word literally can mean? To provoke. To provoke one another to love and good works. Hey, I love you enough that I'm not backing down this morning. That I am challenging you. I am going to provoke you if I have to. If I have to, I'll walk down here on each aisle and shake your hand and beg you. Because that word has the idea to beg. I will beg you to get involved because I know what the value of it is. I'm not trying to build a church here, by the way. God builds his church. I'm not just trying to get more people in here so that somehow I put a little tag on my door. I really don't give a flip. I really don't. I am being genuine with you right now in the heart of my soul, in the very being of my person that I am challenging you and I'm provoking you to love and to good works. What does it say? Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works, not neglecting, them, neglecting to meet together. And the, and the author here in Hebrews, he's writing because some of the Jews were walking away from, from Christianity and they were going back to Judaism. Okay, and he says, don't neglect meet together as a habit of son, but encourage, love that word, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, that word day is capitalized, it's capitalized in the text, it's referring to the day that Jesus is gonna come. Because on that day, you're not gonna care about your position at work. On that day when Jesus comes in the clouds and he comes for us, you're not gonna care about your stocks. On that day, you're not gonna care about your football team or your baseball team or your hockey team or whatever. On that day, you're not gonna care about your accomplishments. You're only gonna care about one thing, where you're at with Jesus and the opportunities he's given you in the church because that's how he works, through the church to impact the world. Dear people of God, we are one people. You know, Spurgeon used to call people who, who said, I want Jesus, but not the church. You know what he used to call them? Good for nothing bricks. Good for nothing bricks. I love that statement. You know why? Because he talked about how we're being built up into a living house for God spiritually. We are being built up and we are living stones being built up to God. And when we say the church isn't important, we're like those good for nothing bricks over there. God can't use us. He can't use us because he designed us to be a part of the body. And so when we break down divisions and when we forgive each other and when we heal the hurts, when we break down the divisions and the walls between us, then we start building up unto a house to God by the living stones of the people of God. That's what he does. He tells us that we need one another. Look at some of these verses that he talks about, about one another. In fact, I forget what it was. It's like 59 times in the New Testament it talks about one another. From John, it says to love one another, love one another with brotherly affection. I love this last part. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, what would the, what would the church look like if all we, all we tried to do, we just tried to show one another more honor? Wouldn't we respect each other more? How would, how would we look? 
He goes on, he says, to live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, through love serve one another, encourage one another, and build up one another. Look what else he says. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, Ooh, as God in Christ forgave you. You want to know how much you should forgive? Just look how much Jesus has forgiven. That's how we're responding in the body. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Exhort one another every day. This is, we all should put this in, by our, by, in our bathrooms every morning. Exhort one another every day as long as it's called the day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need to be exhorting one another so that we guard each other against sin. You think I need you? I absolutely need you. I have key men in my life that hold me accountable. Why? Because I need them. I absolutely need them. I need you and you need us as the church. Keep, on, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And then he says, and to pray for one another. Man, you can't do those things by yourself, by the way. Did you know that? You can't do it. You see, if I'm God's child, he desires for me to be involved in the body, his church. And if I'm not involved in the body of Christ, if I'm not investing in the body of Christ, I am not living as he desires. Think about what I just said. If I am not involved, if I am not investing in the body of Christ, then I'm not living the way he desires for me. I mean, I mean, how often, guys, are we here? How often are we serving? How often are we involved in the body of Christ? Are we impacting others for Christ? Do you view the church the way that Jesus views the church. When we start getting busier and busier, do we cut out church? We cut out the things of God. If you consider NBC your church home this morning, you know what? We need you. We absolutely need you. You need the church and the church needs you. That I know is a biblical fact. That isn't something I'm just making up this morning because I'm a pastor at Mansfield Bible Church. I am telling you from God's word today that you belong to the church because you belong to Jesus, right? So you must be involved. You must be invested in his body if you're gonna grow spiritually. Half, less than half of the membership of our church and those people who call our church it's church home. Less than half is part of our average attendance. Let me say it the other way. Our average attendance is less than half of the people who say that Mansfield Bible Church is their home. It's around 40%. Around 40%. Is there something wrong with that picture? Dear people of God, it's time. It's time. Some of you out there are leaders. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are, are gifted with mercy. Some of you are gifted with serving. Some of you are, are gifted with faith. And some of you are gifted with so many things that God has given you. It's time we need you. The church needs you and you need the church. 
It's time. It's time to step up. When I was a kid, I loved playing football. I played a ton of football. It's one of my favorite sports. I know it's violent and all those kinds of things, but I loved it. I can remember after games, we used to stand on the sidelines afterwards and we'd start looking at each other. You know what we're looking at? We're looking at our uniforms. You know why we're looking at our uniforms? Because if your uniform was white and clean, you didn't play. You weren't out in the middle of the mess. There was even some guys who would try to deceive us. They'd go over there, flop around on the dirt when we were all playing the game and try to have a dirty uniform so they could look like they played. But the guys that were out in the middle of the game, they came off and there was sweat and there was grass stains, there was dirt stains, there was blood stains, there was all those things that come from playing the sport because they were in the middle of the game. Some of you, it's time to get off the sidelines. Doing ministry is messy. It's messy to be a part of the church. It's messy. But God's given us his spirit that indwells us to help us through that time to help us. Let's pray. God, speak to us this morning. Father, will your spirit move among your people today? Father, may the tent of my heart be heard. Lord, I, I never want to guilt people into anything, but God, I pray your spirit would move among your people that they would think about their relationship with Christ, about following Jesus. And Father, they would be aware of where they're at, that there would be honesty. And Father, if there's hurts, if there's, if, there's, um, if there's division, if there's, if there's bitterness, if there's something that needs to be forgiven, Father, may your spirit teach them how to let go. How to let go of the bitterness. How to let go and forgive. To trust you. And that, Father, there would be genuine healing within the body of Christ. For we need, we need one another. By how we love one another, we demonstrate that we belong to you. Some people think that's just a bunch of people being involved in, in all kinds of activities throughout the city. But, God, I believe that idea of loving one another means we learn how to be a family of God together with your spirit working in our hearts. May that be the case. So dear old God, speak to us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.